Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's Talkin' Golf with Anne Liguori on The Fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Welcome to Talking Golf with Allegory on this Sunday morning, August 6th. How are we doing this morning? Hope you are playing lots of golf, enjoying this nice weather we've been having. Talking Golf with Allegory is brought to you by Ivy Cole Luxury Athleisure Apparel for men and women featuring the exclusive Iceville cooling technology along with UPF 50 plus sun protection. Visit IBKOL.com to learn more. And boy, that's too bad about the U.S. women's soccer team losing to Sweden in the World Cup. U.S. loses 5-4 on penalty kicks, goal line technology. Bummer. Earliest exit in team history in the round of 16. That's not good. Oh, well, you guys can talk about that later. But uh, always lots happening in the world of golf. So let's dive right in. In the news this past week, the PGA Tour Policy Board, they have a new board member. And his name is none other than Tiger Woods. Tiger joined the PGA Tour Policy Board for the first time in his 27 years on tour. And apparently over 40 players sent a letter to PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, basically demanding that Tiger be added to the board immediately. And that uh, players have a bigger say in the governing of the sport. So you have players like Roy McIlroy, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Adam Scott. They all sent letters. So Tiger will be the sixth player on the PGA Tour policy board, which makes it, you know, the first time that players will basically outnumber the independent directors on the board. And bravo, I say. Maybe now there will be more transparency on this board and uh, the players will have the voice that they really should have when it comes to major decisions affecting the tour. It was a very good move in many ways. Uh, and we do know that Tiger does support the PJ Tour Commissioner, Jay Monahan. So I think it's a win-win for the players and obviously for the commissioner. As you know, none of the players knew that the PJ Tour was doing that 180-degree turn in terms of announcing on June 6th that the PJ Tour and the DP World Tour would partner with the Saudi National Wealth Fund. 
I mean, most of the players felt betrayed by the PGA Tour because they didn't know anything about it until it was announced. And But it sounds as if the agreement will be approved eventually. And, uh, you know, Tiger supports Jay. So when Tiger speaks, the players listen. You have Tiger, you have Patrick Cantley, you have Charlie Hoffman, you have Peter Malinati, you have Roy, Mac- Roy McElroy, you have Webb Simpson. They're the six players on the PJ Tour policy board. And then you have independent directors, Mary Meeker, Mark Flaherty, Jimmy Dunn, the chairman of the board, Ed Hurley. And then you have um, John Lindert, who's representing the PJ of America. And then they have to replace... Randall Stevenson, who stepped down from the board a couple weeks back. So, and apparently the um, governing documents of this board will be amended so it will say that no major decision can be made in the future without the prior involvement and approval of the player directors. So, uh, sounds like the players are going to get more control. Uh, And there's other changes, obviously, coming. The PGA Tour schedule is changing and uh, Golf Week reported that 12 of the PJ Tour events next year will be considered designated events and most of these tournaments are actually doing away with the 36 hole cut meaning that uh, every player who starts a tournament on Thursday will play the weekend no matter what their score is and uh, the reasoning behind this new plan is so that all the top players would play all four days pleasing the fans, sponsors, television. And, uh, you know, golf is really the only sport out there that I can think of that pays based on a player's performance. If a player did not play well Thursday and Friday relative to the rest of the field, he wouldn't make the cut or she wouldn't make the cut and would not get paid. I'm not in favor of this no-cut format. I think it's way more exciting on a Friday to see players gutting it out to make the cut And, um, you know, the weekend play was really reserved for the players who were playing their best that particular week. Live Golf, as you know, they only play three rounds, and they have no cuts. And, with you know, will the fact that no cuts, will that affect the quality of play? I mean, it could. Players know they will make the cut, get paid regardless of their performance. Will many of them still have the incentive to practice, to train, to play their best? Just throwing those questions out there. So I like to see cuts. Now, there still will be tournaments, obviously, that maintain the 36-hole cut. The Players' Championship, the Genesis Invitational, the Memorial, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. They will all maintain the the 36-hole cut format. But a lot of those other tournaments will not have cuts. The majors will, of course, maintain their same format and have cuts All right, the final round of the Wyndham Championship this afternoon at Sedgefield Country Club. And that's a a Donald Ross design. It's in Greensboro, North Carolina. And it will determine the players who qualify for the FedEx Cup playoff. So this is it. The FedEx Cup playoff format, that's changed. As only the top 70 players on the FedEx Cup points list advance to the playoffs. It used to be the top 125 players, but now it's just the top 70. Lucas Glover, he fired a 62 yesterday. He's at 18 under. He's tied for the lead with Billy Horschel. One shot ahead of Russell Henley. Both Glover and Horschel are battling to move into the top 70. 
in the FedEx Cup. So they can get into this upcoming week's first playoff tournament, which is the FedEx uh, St. Jude Championship. So this should be exciting if you're rooting for these guys on the bubble. And a couple of them are, you know, on the bubble with the best chances to play their way into the playoffs. Uh, I'll keep it simple. It's hard to explain it. You have to be like this mathematical genius to figure out, you know, how some of these guys could get into the top 70. Billy Horschel, he shot a 63 yesterday, which uh, vaulted him into a tie for the lead with Glover. If, If Glover wins or finishes second, Glover will move inside the top 70. If Billy Horschel wins, he'll make the FedEx Cup playoffs. But if he doesn't win, the scenario for him to get in gets very complicated and is dependent on how some other guys finished. Justin Thomas, he shot a 4 under 66 yesterday, five birdies, one bogey. He's at 9 under overall. He's in a five-way tie for 11th. Now, he does have a chance to qualify for the playoffs if he finishes 7th or better. His most uh, direct path to get inside the top 70 would be finishing in a three-way tie for fourth place or better. It, it's so complicated. I don't know how they all, you know, they figure it all out. But uh, you know, JT has missed five of his last seven cuts, so thank goodness he made the cut this weekend, and he is fighting hard to get into the playoffs. The points that a player can earn toward the standings have jumped from 500 points during the regular season to 2,000 points for a win in the St. Jude Championship, which is next week. That's the first leg of the playoffs, and then you have the BMW Championship the week after, which is the second leg of the playoffs, and uh, next week at St. Jude Championship, the top 50 in the standings will then advance to the BMW Championship. And then from there, the top 30 move on to the tour finale, the tour championship at Eastlake Country Club. The winner of the overall tour championship will make $18 million. The overall purse is 75 mil. No wonder the PJ Tour needs money. (laughs) The prize money is just unbelievable. Uh, let's see. What else? The Ryder Cup obviously coming up in Italy, September 29th through October 1st. Um, and, you know, the top six players in the U.S. Ryder Cup rankings after the BMW Championship on August 20th will automatically get on the team. Brooks Kepka, as you know, he plays for Liv. He's currently fourth on the Ryder Cup points list. Um other live players like Dustin Johnson. Johnson's currently at number 37. He probably won't get in. He'd have to be a captain's pick, but uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Justin Thomas has a 6-2-1 record in Ryder Cup play. Uh, will he be a captain's pick, Justin Thomas? That is the question. We will talk more about the potential U.S. Ryder Cup picks with um, Evan Priest of Golf Digest later in the show. The Women's Scottish Open taking place at Dundonald Links in Scotland. Final round action is actually underway. Celine Boutier of France, after her six-shot victory at last week's Evian Championship, she started the final round with a three-shot lead at 13-under. And uh, let's see, she carded a 369 on Thursday, a 4-under on Friday, and yesterday, Boutier, she saw a 6-under 66. Now, Patty... Uh, Tava Tanikit has a birdie in the early going. She is now two shots back. And Boutet is even through two holes to remain at 13 under. So the Women's Scottish Open is already underway. Live Golf, 
They are playing this weekend at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. Love that place. They're playing in the old white course. Matthew Wolf and David Puig share the lead heading into the final round. Wolf, after shooting his live record tying 61 on Friday, he carded a 367 yesterday. Puig shot a 65. And both players will start the third and final round at 12 under. They're one shot ahead of Bryson DeChambeau, Richard Bland, and Taylor Gooch. And there are four others, two shots back. So loaded up leaderboard there. And apparently because of inclement weather in the forecast, uh, today's final round, they've moved it up. It's going to start at 9.05 this morning. It will be a shotgun start. Uh, Matthew Wolf, you know, he's young. He's 24. Puig's the youngest player on the Live Tour at 21. They'll be playing together in the final group. They're going to tee off at 9.16 this morning. And in their team competition, uh, Puig's team is in the lead with Mito Pereira and Sebastian Munoz. They're 34 under. They lead by four in the team competition. And this upcoming week, Liv will be playing at Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey. Uh, What else? There's so much going on. We'll get to uh, Phil Mickelson reacting to talk about penalties for Liv players. Returning to the PGA Tour, said in quotes, not a single player on Liv wants to play PGA Tour. He went on to say it would require a public apology and restitution to live players for paying millions to clout media to disparage all of us. He said a better topic is future sanctions for the many players who now come to live, end quote. All right, Phil Mickelson. Again, we will talk to Evan about all these stories coming up. All right, this morning uh, we are also going to visit with a PGA Pro, how many of you picked up golf later in life after playing other sports? You know, for those of you who've played uh, tennis or baseball or hockey and continue to play these sports and other sports, Bill McAdon, the director of golf at The Rock in Wading River, New York, he's going to share suggestions on how to transition to golf. He is a longtime PGA instructor. If you're like me, you don't want golf instruction that is overly technical either and you don't really want to change drastically from your natural athletic ability so coming up in a few minutes we're going to talk to bill mackinon about transitioning from other sports to golf but first let me tell you that ib cole luxury athleisure wear for both men and women offers the highest performance driven apparel to look and feel your best on and off the course ib cole offers multifunctional, intelligent moisture sensor fabrics featuring the exclusive Icefield technology that cools your skin up to five degrees so you can stay cool, comfortable, and odor-free on hot and humid days. Ivy Cool Apparel also features UPF 50 Plus Sun Protection, colorful, stylish, ultra-soft fabrics with the latest technology to protect your skin. Look and feel your best. Learn more at IBKUL.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Talking Golf with Anne Liguori on The Fan. Hey, 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 welcome back to Talking Golf with Anne Liguori. And my guest is Bill McAdon, director of Golf The Rock in Wading River, New York. Bill is from a family of PGA professionals. His dad was a PGA pro in Massachusetts. Bill worked at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York under Craig Harmon. And after several teaching positions in Connecticut, he spent 16 years at Port Jefferson Golf Club and then moved further east to the Rock in Wading River. Welcome to Talking Golf, Bill. Good morning, Ann. How are you this morning? Good, good. You know, we haven't really focused much on swing instruction on this show this season, so I thought it may be helpful to have an instructor on. And I know, Bill, your teaching philosophy is really more about developing a swing that works for the individual and really not redesigning a swing, right? Yeah, well, the most important thing that you can focus on is is trying to develop your best swing. So each individual is going to have either some physical limitations or some, you know, ailments in their body, so they're not going to be able to produce the swing that they want to. So what we try to do is is we try to produce a swing that kind of resembles something that they did in a previous sport when they were younger. Right, and well, before you even do that, it's probably important, I think, when, when selecting an instructor to connect with somebody who kind of takes the time to watch your swing and who actually takes the time to really get to know your athletic background a bit, maybe ask, you know, the students some questions. So, I mean, what would be some of the questions you would ask a golfer before you even look at his or her swing? Well, I think the most important thing that you have to ask them if they have any physical limitations. Um, If they have any physical limitations, you put that information into, you know, your memory bank and kind of just focus on how we're going to get the the best possible swing for what they can do with their body type. You know, each body is going to be a different size, um, different weights, different physical limitations. So what we're going to try to do is is we're going to try to focus on getting that person to swing the club as freely as we can. To to try to get them to bring back some of the sports that they've played when they were younger so it makes it a lot easier for them to develop their fundamentals. Yeah, I mean, a lot of players, you know, come to golf in midlife after a, a lifetime of playing other sports, not mm-hmm. golf. I mean, I played a variety of sports. Tennis was my main sport, but, you know, other people come from playing baseball or hockey. And maybe can you go through perhaps those three sports and talk about what athletes should think about in making the transition from other sports to, to a golf swing? Yeah, absolutely. So tennis and golf are very similar. You know, they're both going to require, you know, decent forearm strength, you know, good conditioning, you know, mental strength, and, you know, some strategy. 
You know, they both have very similar postures where you're going to get in that athletic stance like you're getting ready for a serve. It's going to be the identical stance that you're going to want to get to when you're getting ready to hit a golf ball. Uh, you know, obviously some of the things that benefit you when you're in tennis, if you have excellent core strength, it's going to help you with your golf swing. You know, I think the, the thing you can explain to your students when they play tennis, when you're trying to introduce them into golf, is they both have a backswing and they both have a downswing. You know, the hand should be relaxed and move freely, you know, giving the ability to release the club head, giving you the ability to release the racket. Those are going to be some of the things that I talk about with a tennis player. Um, you know, and then when the club and the racket are taken back with the hands and the arms, you try to stay relaxed so you can keep the club and the racket on the right plane. You know, so these are some of the things that they've done when they've played tennis. It gives them the ability to kind of focus on what they're going to do when they play golf. And I think one of the interesting things that you can kind of teach a tennis player when they're getting used to starting to play golf is, you know, some of the tennis shots that they've hit while they play tennis are some of the same swing thoughts that they're going to make when they play golf. So if someone's going to hit a cut shot in tennis, they're going to hit a cut shot in golf. If someone's going to try to hit a draw in tennis, they're going to try to hit a cross-court shot with their forearms. So basically you can kind of relate those types of similarities when they're playing so that tennis player can kind of feel like they already have that motion in their body and then they don't have to think too much and they can just kind of react. Mm-hmm. You because know, less tension is going to equal more speed. More speed is going to get you to hit the golf ball further and straighter. So that would be kind of something that I would talk to uh, a tennis player like yourself. You know, I've seen you swing the club. You have excellent rotation. You know, you hit the ball very aggressively. You know, you create the power with your legs. I mean, very, very important for a tennis player to do that. And if you can explain that to them when they're playing golf, they become a better golfer in a much faster period of time. So, but in tennis, you know, you're constantly moving your feet. At least I, I, I do. <laughs> and I had to learn how to stay in golf firmly planted on the ground, but you still have to make, you know, that complete turn to finish a golf swing. And I think that was, you know, the most difficult for me without, you know, you have to make that turn, but you can't move your entire body. Yeah, but you still are rotating your body around like in tennis when you try to hit, hit the, the shot in tennis, you're facing the net and you're turning and facing the net. And if you can explain to that golfer that's played tennis before that the golf swing's going to be very similar where you're going to turn and you're going to face your target and you're going to kind of get that body rotating through and try to plant on your left foot and stay stable. So in tennis, you're going to continuously move, but in golf, you're going to try to post up on that left side and really get the weight on that left side so you can create as much power as you can, you know, without falling off balance. Right, right. What about baseball players? What, what do they bring to a golf swing? What should they think about? Well, the similarities in baseball, I mean, both, both sports you need to load up. You're going to really want to have um, a solid hip rotation. You know, there's going to be a great uh, shifting of the weight. You know, you really want to focus on, you know, the impact needs to be square, you know, either with a golf club or the baseball bat. You know, the follow-through in baseball is very similar to the follow-through in golf. You know, both have nice fluid motions. And then you want to release the, you know, you want to release the club and the bat just like you do in both sports. So this is easy for a baseball player because the hand, hand and eye coordination is excellent. You know, their upper and lower body strength really helps them to hit the golf ball straight and far. You know, they're both generating power from the ground up, which is really important, especially in both sports. You know, they're going to use their legs and their torso to get the bat of the club to swing faster, which is really important. 
Um, the main difference is the plane of the club. You know, obviously you're swinging it at 90 degrees, and you're going to be swinging it at 45 with golf. So it, it makes it a little bit harder for the baseball player compared to the hockey player. But they're used to making solid contact with the ball. You know, I think the, uh, the, you know, the question that we always have is, is what's, what's harder to hit, you know, a 90-mile-an-hour fastball or, or a golf ball? <laughs> so for the baseball player, they're finding it much easier to hit the baseball or, the, you know, the golfer's finding it much easier to drive the golf ball 300 yards down the fairway. So I think the important thing is, is when you're talking to a baseball player, um, to try to get some of the similarities that they do in baseball when they're trying to learn how to play golf. Um, the only flaw that sometimes some of the baseball players, especially someone that's played at extremely high level, is they like, like to hit the golf ball from the right side. So about 25 years ago, they came up with a system called the stack and tilt system, which allows the baseball player that can transition their weight to the left side at the end of the swing, where they hit from the right side and they can still be an exceptional golfer. So you've got a variety of ways to teach a baseball player the same swing you know, as, as a golfer. Uh, and if they have trouble transitioning weight, then you just use a dis- different system to kind of give them the benefits to hit the golf ball as, you know, the best that they can. You brought up that age-old question, what's more difficult to do, hit a stationary golf ball or a 90-mile-an-hour fastball? What, what about for you, Bill? What, what's more difficult? Well, for me, it would be the fastball, that's for sure. <laughs> I remember reading where uh, the great Sam Snead and Ted Williams once debated that question, and... You know, what's more difficult, hitting a stationary golf ball or a 90-mile-an-hour fastball? And Sam Snead told Ted Williams, you don't have to go into the stands and play your foul balls. I do. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, hockey players, you know, a lot. I, I interview a lot of celebrity uh, golfers who come from hockey, and they seem to be the best golfers. Why is that? Is that same swing, different plane kind of thing? Well, I think the easiest thing to think about is, is that, that hockey has that mental toughness, the hand-eye coordination, the flexibility, the posture. You know, they're going to use the lower body to create width and power like you need to do in golf. They're extremely balanced, and they have that release. And they've been taught since they were a young child to, you know, compress the ice like you need to compress the ground when you're hitting a golf ball. So they've been swinging their hockey stick on the plane, similar to a golf swing, for years. So it's a lot easier for them to understand how important it is to catch the bottom of the golf ball. Um, so, you know, the difficult part with golf that's a little bit different than other sports is, is I'm going to ask a player to swing the club anywhere between 50 and 100 miles an hour. I'm going to ask them to be able to hit a penny every single time that they swing the club. And then I'm going to ask them to have that club face perfectly square at that exact point. So that makes it very, very difficult, you know, for a lot of people because they can get that club to strike the penny, but the club face is either opened or closed. And then the further you hit it, the more difficult it is to square that club face up. So the hockey player has a huge advantage over the other sports because they've been compressing the ground and compressing the ice their entire life when they swing the hockey stick, the same as a golfer. You know, it's much easier for them because it's a natural athletic ability um, you know, and they really understand that it's important to get the hands out in front when they get to impact, just like you do in hockey. So that's kind of, you know, very, very similar. Um, I find that the hockey players probably advance the fastest from all the other sports, you know, because it's so similar, you know. And they're, they're used to shooting um, a puck, you know, you know, as they're moving, 
you know, where when they get stationary, they find it a little bit easier to do so. You know, and then they have a much easier chance to make solid contact. You know, a slap shot's a very similar move to hitting a golf ball. So, you know, they've been doing this for years, and then just getting them to be able to square the, you know, the club face up at impact gives them the ability to probably improve the fastest. Right, right. Well, I think, you know, people who aren't as familiar with golf may think that maybe, you know, take a couple lessons to begin, and, and then there's no more need for instruction. But, you know, the pros are constantly working on their swings. They're every day they're being watched and analyzed and coached by their swing coaches and and they rely on instruction frequently so you can never perfect golf so i guess the point is you know you can't get frustrated and and you know it's a it's really a sport where there's like a lifelong learning curve right well i think that the, the difficult part is is that the body changes so as the body changes we have to modify the swing for that individual you know, obviously, when we're younger, we're more elastic. Um, we can move a little bit freer, you know, and as we get older, you know, what happens is sometimes the muscles tighten up or maybe there's a knee, knee surgery or a hip surgery or a back surgery. So we have to modify the swing for that individual so they continue, can continue to play at a high level. And, you know, the neat thing is about golf is, is you can maintain that competitive spirit that you have, you know, well into your 80s. So you can get out there, you can enjoy your friends, but you can still have that competitive edge that you want to have that when you were younger, when you played all the different sports. You know, but I think the, the important part about taking lessons is, is having someone else's eyes look at your swing. Because sometimes what you feel and what you're actually doing are two different things. You know, most of the time when I'm giving a lesson and I ask the individual, where do you think you're aiming? And they'll tell me, well, I think I'm aiming at the pin. And then I'll hold the club for them and ask them to stand behind and look at it. And they go, I didn't realize I was aiming 25 yards right at the target. So what it is is I think the coaching part of the teaching aspect is really important, where you give the student fundamentals, you continue to coach them, you train them on the golf course so they can play at a high level. And sometimes it's just getting them to play to have fun enjoy their family, spend time with loved ones. So I think it's important to try to try to blend the, uh, the golf into the competitive side, but then also the enjoyment side and then the family time side. I think it's really important because, you know, we're, we're very fortunate where, you know, we can play this sport and, and until, and, you know, well into our later life. And uh, it's fun to spend time with family. It's fun to, fun to spend time with friends. And, you know, I know that I'm going to be playing – for a very long time, so um, there's nothing more enjoyable than getting out with my wife Michelle and my son Jerry and just having a great day, and then also competing against my friends, so, you know, we'll continue to do that. I, I love that competitive part of it, and, you know, having a coach that can kind of continue to, you know, keep your skills sharp so you can enjoy the game, I think that's very important. Absolutely. You just mentioned many reasons why golf is just an incredible sport for the whole family. Uh, before I let you go, tell us about your club, The Rock. Oh, well, the Rock Golf Club, an amazing place. Uh, the La Mangino, Vinay, and Vogel family, they're redefining the private club experience. You know, we're creating an atmosphere here where there's no tea times required. Uh, you can come out any day, any time, and enjoy this facility. You know, we have really three rules here. You enjoy yourself when you come, you leave the place better than you found it, and you're nice. You know, it's, a spe it's going to be a very special place for a limited few. We're only going to have a membership of about 200. The golf course has unbelievable elevation changes and views that are off the charts. This place is unbelievable. 
Um, we have uh, probably one of the best wildlife environments that we have out here. You know, we pride ourselves in that. You know, I think that the thing is, is that we're trying to create, we're, we're, we're trying to create something special where, you know, it's your own private club experience. When you come out here, there's no tea times, show up any day, any time. You have some family that's in town, there's going to be five or six of you, you want to play together, we let you play as five or six. If someone pulls up behind you and they're playing a little faster, you just let them play through. You know, we're looking to do something a little bit different than most clubs. You know, it's going to be, we're looking to bring back that special feeling, you know, where it's a world-class golf, you're at your own private club, you're going to have an exceptional dining experience, and it's a place where you can call home. You know, I mean, it's a very special place. Uh, Mr. Lamangino and Mr. Vinay have really, really put their hearts and souls into this place. We're about a year and a half into a five-year renovation. Um, we've done a lot of improvements to the facility. We're going to continue to improve the facility, you know, through time. And, you know, the goal here is is that, you know, our magic is going to be in the detail. You know, the Rock is going to be a very special place, and we're very proud of it. Bill, I really appreciate the swing tips. <laughs> and especially for those who come to golf late in life from other sports, uh, very interesting insight. Thanks so much for being on Talking Golf. Uh, really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Coming up, Evan Priest of Golf Digest. He'll join us as we talk about some of the top stories in golf. But first, let me tell you that as the brand ambassador for Ivy Cool, I can attest to the high-quality, performance-driven, leisure apparel line that is perfect to wear on and off the course. Not only does the moisture sensor fabric keep me cool in the links, Ivy Cool garments also feature UPF 50-plus sun protection. All this plus a wide variety of colorful and stylish silhouettes in tops, shorts, pants, squirts, and dresses. And men can choose from any styles as well. Look your best, protect your skin. I be cool. Learn more at ibkol.com. It's Talking Golf with Ann Liguori on the fan. Welcome back to Talking Golf on this Sunday morning. And you know, so much is happening on and off the course, mostly off the course of late. And Joining me now to help dissect it all is Golf Digest reporter Evan Priest. How are you, Evan? Welcome to Talking Golf. Thank you, Anne. Um, how, how am I? I'm, I'm on a little bit of a come down from Ireland, from the island trip, of course, where I ran into you for a round of golf. Um, so I'm settling back into the Florida heat after playing beautiful links courses in nice cold weather for two weeks, and now I'm sweating here in Florida again. So I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we move on to some of these topics I wanted to ask you about, what, what were your favorite courses over there that you played? Look, I've got to say, I've, I've got a ritual these days. When I, when I go to the Open Championship, I go through Ireland because I, I love the country, as, as you do as well. And Port Marnock will always be my favorite, not, not only course in Ireland, but in the world. It's just, just my happy place. But I've got to say, Narran and Port New on the west coast of Ireland, I recommend to all your listeners that if you're thinking about a golf trip, get yourself to Ireland and get over to the west coast and just work your way up that beautiful coastline all the way into Northern Ireland. But Narran and Port New, which was in uh, County Donegal, was just absolutely fantastic. Gil Hands has renovated it. It's an absolute masterpiece, and it's just a really welcoming place. So I've got to say that was my favorite of the trip. How about you? What was, what was your favorite? Oh, my gosh. Well, we talked about this last week, but I love, you know, when people ask me my favorite course, I always say, Ireland. <laughs> There's just, just when you think you've played like the best course and the most scenic course and links course and, you know, 20, 25 minutes down the road, there's, there's another one just as, as great. So uh, there's too many favorites to mention, but um, 
Anyway, I wanted to ask you about some of these news stories that have been happening this week off the course. And how about Tiger joining the PGA Tour Policy Board? And, you know, that was a huge oh. move, and he's he's already voiced his support for the PGA Tour Commissioner. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's, it's the first time in 27 years of being on the PGA Tour that Tiger's on that policy board. And I suppose it just represents a shift in the the power structures of the PGA Tour, the, the players are taking back, you know, a degree of control from some of the top brass. And, uh, and, and I think since the beginning of, of Live Golf and the divide between that and the PGA Tour, I think Tiger's really stood up and, and made his credentials known and, and he's earned the right to basically run the tour from a player perspective. So it's good to see him on the policy board. Uh, he'll be he'll become the sixth player director on that policy board. And um, it's, you know, obviously Tiger Woods is, is approaching this very seriously and taking this very seriously if he's joining that policy board for the first time in his career on the PGA Tour. And they've already amended the uh, governing documents, apparently, to say that no major decision can be made in the future without the prior involvement and approval of the player directors. So, yeah, the players felt betrayed. They were angry. But uh, it looks like, you know, Tiger will um, come in and they'll you know, it kind of smooth things over, and it looks like he's supporting Monahan. So it's a great move for Jay as well as the players, don't you think? I think so, yeah. And you've seen that with, with Tiger's public comments um, in support of Jay Monahan. Obviously, you know, Tiger wanted a few things, and it sounds like he wanted the involvement of Colin Neville from the Rain Group, which is a, a sports sort of brokering firm that's the previously sold uh, Premier League soccer teams and all sorts of sporting franchises and businesses, and Colin Neville is a very good operator from that rain group. And uh, it, obviously, Tiger likes his involvement because Colin was at that player meeting in Delaware last year, and in, in August, about this time last year. So uh, it's you know it, it looks like Tiger has had all the changes um, you know gone through that he's wanted, and now he's sort of happy to be to be more involved than he ever has been. I wanted to ask you about Phil Mickelson's tweet because it was basically in response to the discussion of live golfers who may want to return to the PJ Tour. And, and Phil tweeted this past week that, in quote, not a single player on live wants to play PGA Tour. He said it would require a public apology and restitution to live players for paying millions to clout media to disparage, to disparage all of us. He said a better topic is future sanctions for the many players who now come to live. What were your thoughts about Phil's tweet? Yeah, I think they were fired off a little bit from the hip. Um, I, I don't know if that represents the true thoughts of the entire Live membership. I know that a, a large majority of Live golfers do not want to come back to the PGA Tour. They don't have any hard feelings against the Tour. It's just that they were really looking forward to a new venture and playing on a new league. Playing less golf, even if you argue that they do play as many tournaments, they, their tournaments are still one day shorter. It's less impact on the body, less uh, time away from the family, I guess. Uh, but he also, it must be pointed out, too, that, that Phil Mickelson also louted the changes with Tiger being represented on the board. He, he said that was awesome to see and awesome news. Um, I don't know if Phil's sentiments capture the entire live league, as I, as I mentioned. If he gave some of those guys the, the option... I, I know Bryson DeChambeau, for example would probably disagree with Phil's comments there because he said before, he actually said to me at the US Open at LA Country Club that if he had a choice, he would happily play, you know, the RBC Heritage, uh, the Rocket Mortgage, which used to, I think used to be a sponsor of his or not. I don't know if they still are, but he loved that tournament. He loved the tournament director there. Uh, he would play the Memorial. He would play Bay Hill if he could. 
Um, so he would play as many as five PGA Tour events, and he's not the only lead golfer to feel that way. I think you would get a handful of guys that would play a handful of PGA Tour events, if that makes sense. Right. And I guess once this agreement goes through, you know, the uh, PJ Tour and DP World Tour with the Saudi investment, uh, public investment fund, do you think Liv will continue to, do you think it, it will stay alive? I do. I, I very much do. It's just a matter of what it will look like, I, I guess. Um, Yasser Al-Ramayan is very passionate about Liv Golf. He's, you know, obviously the, the, the brains and the, and the purse strings behind it. And he wants to see it continue. He didn't sink $2 billion into it to just simply fold it. But I certainly think that if the PJ Tour and the players were coming to the table and, and suggesting ways that, you know, he could, he could work with them, I'm sure he would, he would consider changing the structure of Live or how many events or where those events are and whether PJ Tour players are allowed to form their own teams and play in a team series with Live. Maybe Live Golf just becomes the team series for the overall you know, collaboration amongst the tours. I don't know, but I can't see it folding. And there's there's too many players on that tour that are very happy at the moment. They're getting paid well. They're playing a little bit less golf, and they're enjoying sort of the the less seriousness and and the more entertainment product that it is. Um, and and they're not all going to be rushing back to the PGA Tour. So, you know, if if the PGA Tour comes and wants to close down their tour, I don't think they're going to be very happy about it. And they're going to voice those concerns to the live golf officials and the public investment fund officials. So I don't see it folding anywhere near in the future, but yes, I do see it changing somewhat. Yeah, I think it's going to change, you know, because I don't think Monaghan liked it or likes Greg Norman, so perhaps they'll just change the name of it, change the form, tweak the format a little bit, and um, then he can maybe say, hey, it's it's we control it now, you know, the PJ Tour. But that's just a thought. Let's quickly talk Ryder Cup. Uh, the top six Americans point-wise who would automatically make the U.S. team are Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley. And you heard Freddie Couples uh, a couple weeks ago saying that Max Homa – Cameron Young and Jordan Spieth would be captain's picks. So he kind of put that out there already. That leaves three more captain's picks. Who do you think those other three would be if you had to kind of guess at this point, Evan? I think they're pretty clear, especially now that Justin Thomas has, has made the cut and played pretty pretty well at the um, at the Wyndham Championship this week, which has, of course, you know, allowed him to hopefully get into the PGA to a playoff. So. I think those those last three picks are Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler, and Justin Thomas. I think Justin Thomas's record at the Ryder Cup is just just absolutely incredible. He's won, you know, a, a large percentage of his matches. I, I think it's up to upwards of seventy uh, percent of his matches. And on top of that, he's never lost in the singles. Yeah, seventy two percent is his win rate in matches at the at the Ryder Cup. He's uh, just just it's in the two Ryder Cups he's played Paris and Whistling Straits. He's been an absolute heart and soul of the team. I really see him getting a pick, and then I see those picks being rounded out by Ricky Fowler, who, you know, triumphantly won um, at, the, at the Rocket Mortgage Classic this year. And of course, Colin Morikawa had a great showing in Whistling Straits too. So I see those three rounding out the team. And if you look at those twelve players, it's, it's pretty formidable um, for, for Europe to stack up against them. It definitely is. You're leaving out Keegan Bradley, who is uh, 10th on that Ryder Cup points list right now. And then, of course, Sam Burns, who's 13th. Mm-hmm. But uh, I agree with your picks. I like him. And, boy, JT had some pressure this week, right, <laughs> to make the cut. Well, yeah, and it's just, it's you know, it's, it's a really cool storyline. You know, that was his PJ Tour debut as a 16-year-old, I believe it was, in 2014 or, or, or whenever that was. And, uh, 
and it's always been a special place to him. And to see him, you know, have the have the, the gun put to his head and the, and the and the pressure applied, and he come through and made the cut. It was really impressive, and it shows a lot of stones. And I really don't think Justin Thomas is far away from showing us his best golf again. It's too bad with the slump, but everybody goes through it, and uh, you just have to have patience and hopefully pull out of it. I mean, if he doesn't make it the top 70, that really will affect a lot for him next year. Forget about the Ryder Cup, but, you know, with all these elevated tournaments, um, you know, talk a little bit about the impact if he doesn't get in the top 70. Yeah, exactly. Like you mentioned, getting into those designated events. Um, but, but having said that, they're still being fine-tuned, those designated events. So the implications of him not making next week's event in Memphis, they're then yet to be known. And of course, because confusingly for a lot of golf fans, the PGA Tour season keeps, uh, it, it continues after the FedEx Cup playoffs. In terms of being able to play for, for points and eligibility into the designated events next year, that goes right through the fall series, right through to the RSM Classic and Island there in Georgia and uh, so it's not over for him just yet in terms of those designated events Um, he's going to have to have a hell of a final round and try and get into into those top 70 who make it to next week but at the same time he's got more chances over over the fall series to get into those designated events for next year. You are a champ, Evan Priest. I appreciate all this information in such a short period of time. Well done. (laughs) And uh, great to play golf with you and to visit with you in Ireland. And let's do it again soon, okay? I look forward to coming back on. That that was excellent. Thanks, Sam. Thanks so much. All right, folks, that went fast. My thanks to Evan Priest, to uh, Bill McAdon, to Ed Arzuman in the studio. Talking Golf with Anne Ligore is brought to you by Ivy Cool Luxury Athleisure Apparel for Men and Women, featuring the exclusive Iceville cooling technology along with UPF 50-plus sun protection. Visit IBKOL.com to learn more. Hey, everybody, Mark Malusis is up next. Uh, Have fun. Have a great weekend. Be safe. And I look forward to visiting with you again next Sunday morning right here on Talking Golf with Ann McGord. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.